All right, well, thanks for coming out for the podcast and set. This week, of course, my guest is Mr. Kevin Dorff. Thank you, Miles. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I've known Kevin almost since I started trying to do Im improvisation. Uh, so about 28 years I've known you or known of you. Yep. Uh, back in Chicago, you were what we all considered the player's player, uh, the consummate player. We were the, you were the one we were told, if you want to be an improviser, watch this guy. Uh, How did that work out? It, yeah, it's just, we all got pretty good. Yeah, that's right. um, I'd like to talk about some of those old old, old days. Uh, just because I remember I was on a team called The Family, and you coached us. Uh, yeah, I, uh, that's really deep, deep, deep back in the it's, back it's, of the it's back shelf. In the day. Well, yeah, you're well, right. Prior to that, you started because I didn't really. I I never consider I started improvising until I got to the Improv Olympic in Chicago because I did the Second City for a couple of years, but didn't really learn how to improvise. And I remember when I, I saw you first at, I, the I believe the place right down the street from Second City was called Chow. Yeah, Chow. It was an Italian restaurant called Chow. I saw you upstairs there. But let's, let's go back further. When did, when did you start? I started uh, probably, I want to say it was October of 1988. And I remember it because I was walking to class with my high school friend, a guy I went to high school with and known since I was 14 years old. We were... we're like 22 at the time. So I'd known this guy for eight years and uh, we grew up in the same neighborhood and uh, my friend's name is Armando Diaz. And we were walking to our first class together, uh, which we agreed we were going to take together at this place called the Improv Olympic. And the, what had brought us to walking down that street headed for that class was uh, I got kicked out of the U of I uh, in Illinois, uh, in Champaign-Urbana. And I think Armando had taking a leave of absence or maybe gotten kicked out of Columbia uh, <laughs> College. I can't remember which it was, but we're on hiatus. And, uh, and he had a really rotten job, and I had a worse one. And we, uh, we were at a bar one night, and we just were like, oh, oh my God, we're 22, and uh, we're total failures. <laughs> and uh, it, we're really desperate. And um, I had seen an Improv Olympic show recently within the last month or so, and I thought it was really spectacular. I loved it. I thought it was really funny and one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. And it sort of occurred to me to, to take class, but I really wasn't sure if that was a good idea or not. Yes, I was actually weighing my options. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, and Armando had done the same thing on a different night. He'd gone and seen that show. And he was like, He's like, I don't know. It, it looks pretty good to me. We should... Let's do it. But I was like, well, we can't. I can't do that by my. We have to do it together. And we agreed. Yeah, yeah. We better go together because God knows what that's going to be like. Because we were really, really, really frightened. And uh, we, we walked up to this place. And I know it was October of 88 because whereas we're, I'll never forget this walk. We were walking up Lincoln Avenue to go to this bar where the class was going to be. And we're walking past uh, a, another bar which had the TV on and there was a presidential debate going on. And that's what I remember. I remember that Michael Dukakis was uh, debating George Bush. All right. And I was like, oh, you know, you know, I guess that's happening tonight, too. And, <laughs> uh, and that's how I know, that's how I can die marker it to that month. It was just about before the, the election. So that's when I started. Me and Aranda walked into that class, and, and uh, we took that class together, and we stayed in class together for several, several months after that. And how fast did you get to the stage? It was probably by about January. So the following, I would say it didn't take more than a few months. Right. It was a smaller organization back then. There was a lot more, uh, you know, you could get on stage a little bit quicker. That's for sure. But yeah, I definitely was on stage early for the people who were in my class. Who were the people that were on stage back then that you were looking at like, wow, that guy's good? Well, very uh, unforgettably Mike Myers because he was, uh, and Chris Farley, because they were both on the Second City main stage cast, but whenever they didn't have a show or even after they had had a show at Second City, they would play at the Improv Olympic. So I'd seen them play at the Improv Olympic and uh, and they're just, they were unforgettable. They, were, they made a huge impression uh, for different reasons. We all have come to be familiar with how, you know, how very funny and great, you know, they, they, all, they both are. But to see them, you know, sitting as close uh, to them as you are to me at, right now in a room about the same size 
and pumping out the same level of watts and 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 and, and the same level of energy and the same you know uh, great craft it was it was pretty pretty appealing so those are two names that instantly you know occur to me but they were not the only people that I was blown away by I saw Dave Keckner in those casts I saw I was blown away by Mick Napier he was in the first show I ever saw Dave Pasquese was in the first show I ever saw I saw extremely uh, very uh, awesome uh, other people that may not be as well known but Madeline Long was extremely funny Jackie uh, Jackie Hoffman was hilariously funny. These were all people that I was like really, really, really impressed by. And of was course, McCann in there yet? Brian McCann was certainly there. there. A guy I ended up working with years later yeah. for years on Conan, and he was in those casts. Yeah, uh, Ian Gomez and uh, and Pat Finn were all. They, these were all people I was watching, and I was like, wow. Was, was Stack in there too? No, he wasn't. He wasn't there yet. All Brian right. Stack. Uh, Brian Stack is junior to me in terms of all uh, right. his. Uh, actual seniority at Embraer Olympic. <clears throat> he had been there previously and then went back to finish college. Fool. Like, right, I know. That fool didn't get thrown <laughs> out. So he went to go complete his degree, and uh, and he missed out on all the fun. And, but he came back after he had finished college and was there all the time. That's that's amazing. Even, even, even to me, I, I, I hear those, those names. I'm familiar with all those names. I got to work with some of them along the way. Uh, I only played with Farley a couple of times. Never played with Myers. Uh, I never even saw Myers play. I uh. saw Car Farley on the main stage uh. on his last main stage show, uh, and that's where I saw Pasquazi for the first time. Uh, it's just, I'm sorry, just that's such such an incredible group of people to have been able to watch before you go up. Because uh, for me, I, I mean, some of those people were around, but then for me, it was Blue Velveeta was the team that we were just like, that's, well, that's the fucking team right there. Well, th 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 I think three of the guys on that team came out of the class I was in. It was me, Jay, and Mitch. We're all in that class together. And that same class that I walked up to with Armando that night. And uh, Jay Leggett and Mitch Rouse were in that class with me. And uh, John Favreau was in that class uh, with me. He ended up on a very, on a different team, you know, that was really successful. But the team that I got put on, along with S Susan Messing and Tom Booker, all the people that Mitch mentioned last week, and Brendan Sullivan, very funny. Brian Blundell, these were all funny people when we were put together, you know, sort of whipped together the way Sharna will do and, uh, you know, the way, the way improv theaters still do today. They sort of just slap you together and they tape you up and they send you out there. And I know sometimes it's a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more regimented these days than it was, you know, 20, 20 odd years ago. But the feeling is the same, uh, I, I can assure you, because you never feel prepared enough and you're really feeling your way. And sometimes you're just doing things that seem pretty risky and pretty frightening because you think that maybe getting getting on stage and getting risky and frightening yourself might be a good move. Right. Because there's no way you're going to catch up to Mike Myers unless you're taking a chance. You're not going to catch up to Farley playing it safe. So. <clears throat> right. There was, every, there was every incentive, I think, for an observant young person to say, well, there's no reason to sit here and not try something. If I do it wrong or it goes very badly for me, I'll just do it differently next time. Right. So, so more of the work that I remember admiring of yours was certainly in Blue Velveeta, which I've always said is the best, you know, pure Herald team that's ever been. Uh, I would say, and then you got the next thing I have to Jazz Freddy. Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was, I mean, that's the show, that, you know, the family. We all used to just walk down the street and watch that. We watched that almost every time it played. Oh, I remember it well. And I remember you guys coming to our shows. And, uh, and uh, I remember the fact that we were literally doing shows. Your, your group and our group were doing shows not at the Improv Olympic, but at other, two other theaters, right? Because uh, Three Mad was, was at some, it was at no, the, Three Mad Rituals was at the Improv Olympic. It was upstairs at yeah. the Wrigley side. Okay, I was up to the Wrigley side then. But I, I, I thought maybe it was the place like just across the street or something. But no, yeah, you're right. So it's at the Wrigley side. We're up, up Clark Street, just a few blocks north of there. And there was a definite feeling for me. I don't know if you were thinking about this at all, but I'll tell you something from my impression from that period was those guys are in the room. Let's not blow this. Let's be good because those guys are doing shit down the street and they're the ones that are gonna you know if it, there's only gonna be two shows on the street <coughs> sooner or later you know ours and theirs so we either got to stay with them or beat them or whatever so, i felt competitive that's so funny because the, <clears throat> we were there every week going when are these fucking guys gonna invite us to play with them 
No chance. No, definitely not. Because you guys, <clears throat> that show had so many of the players that basically we aspired to be in it that we're just like, <laughs> we literally were like, at some point, because we're like, because you invited like other players from around town to to play with you guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you never invited, and you never invited any of us. And at some point, we were kind of like. It it was fire under us. We're like, all right then, yeah, fire right, you know, yeah, game on. Let's let's go. I I remember and thank you for this. This meant a lot to to me. And I think Ali was standing next to me when you said it. Was we had and this was a show where we had a, a distinct advantage. But we we both Jazz Freddie and the family did shows at the Rick Roman benefit at the Second City ETC. Oh my, okay, yeah. Uh, a, after Rick had passed, and you guys were doing, you know. The you know the slow, steady, pretty work, and the family went up and did a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you came out afterward, and you're like, "Well, thanks for kicking our butts." <laughs> See, uh, well, there you go. Well, in, in front of that house, we had a, a distinct advantage, but I, it just it felt so good to hear someone from what I would call your generation. You're like, yeah. well, maybe you're probably my age. I think we're almost exactly. Yeah. Like uh, but it's like someone from your generation, me, your generation in improv is like, yeah, Dorf said. Yeah. Dorf said this. No one, this Dorf said it. Well, I was fired up and excited and also my competitive instincts were aroused and my admiration was aroused by the fact that uh, our this show that Miles is describing, Jazz Freddy, was an attempt by a group of improvisers to meet up with a group of very funny actors who, had, who didn't have a whole lot of of our type of long form improv experience, but they were really, really quite solid actors. And, and there's a lot of lovely names involved, which I'm not going to scroll off to you. But the idea was to take these sort of theater, more theater, you know, more classically trained theater actors who were very good and amusing people. And then these fucking idiots that are all dropped out of college. And then you put them together and see if you can make an improvised theater piece that sort of feels like both. It has the qualities and spontaneity of an improv show. It has the, like you said, like this, this sort of slow and elegant. Uh, it was much more patient work. Yeah, style uh, uh, of, a, of a really cool theater piece. It was, it was just, it was, you know, throw together to see if it works type thing. And the, the thing is, the, 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 that show is happening. So, and it's happening and it, it happened and it's really gelling well and we're doing well and we're, try, and we're, we're, we're doing good on the reviews show. and everything. we're having a great time. Down the street is a, uh, is the, their show is the equivalent of, giant big ferocious circus cats uh, that have been lit on fire by by an insane ringmaster and who's like light who's like pulling pins out of hand grenades and and howling through a megaphone like they have this vivid very like hard driving these guys would be soaked with sweat and and their hair would look all fucked up by the end of the show and there was almost there was virtually blood on the wall by the time they were done with their form, and it was a it was so much more of a of of, of a fucking slugfest. It was so much more of a kickboxing tournament than it was up the street where we were, and I I knew that there was something special about both things, and I was like, well, whatever we do, let's not get lapped by that crew, you know, with their kung fu exposition. Wow. Jim Kana that's going on down there. I mean, it was a committed, physical, amazing show directed by Dell, and we weren't. So we right. were just like self directed. So there was a lot of, I mean, there's frankly a, a good deal of envy. Also, we were not collectively in charge of the guest list. Of what? Oh, you know, like, all right. who, who yeah, can yeah. sit in? That wasn't our call. Yeah. That was only the director made that call. It was always good One people. guy. It was always good people. I remember yeah, like you let Carlos Jacot sit in. And oh, he's, yeah. He's just fucking We phenomenal. had great guests, but none of y'all. None of us. No. <laughs> so, uh, I burn breast. You don't let the team in second place. You don't start the team off in second place. You're like, let's give them four walks. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not how you do it. Like, we had to, we had to stay on, on, on point. It's, it's funny because, like, in, in the history of improv, that's one of those things where it's like when you're forced sort of to stay together, when you're sort of not let in, it makes you work harder. Because uh, that's the only real option if, you, if, if you're going to fucking go. It's like, oh, you're not letting me in? Well, I'm going to work fucking harder. I'm going to outwork you. Uh, but we never... I mean, basically, I, I remember when you said that. We talked about that a lot. Like, Dorf said this. That meant a lot to us. Uh, and we never considered at all it's, it's, it's like that we were even like we we were just like let's make sure we hold our own 
Let's yeah. make sure we hold our own with these guys. Well, that probably is what worked in your to, to your advantage. Yeah, you know, because you uh, were thinking about world domination. You were thinking about doing a good job. <laughs> and then the wonderful thing happens where we got our own building, right? The IO gets its own building, and I think I, I think it was McKay and Kackner come up with the the idea for the the Armando show. Uh, the Armando Diaz theatrical movement, uh, Hoot Nanny. It was a tactical decision to to get the theater to have a show on Monday night. On Monday nights when everyone was not doing anything else. Mm. And that, that to me, I think, because I remember being nervous, just like, wow. It's like, it was just like, all right. I think the family also had a pretty good chip on our shoulder by then, too. As yeah. far as like, I think we proved ourselves, but we got to make sure we proved ourselves because now we're playing with the guys we all fucking aspired to be. But three years have elapsed, or two <clears throat> anyway. Two and a half, you know, two yeah, years but still, elapsed. we've never worked together. Right. Now we are. And now, because people are going into Second City and they're, they're crossing paths, uh, and so we, we put this thing together, and I remember those crews were just fucking sick. Uh, you, awesome. you, you list the people in some of those original shows, and it was, it's just fucking yeah. nuts. Rachel Dratch and uh, Brian McCann, Brian Dratch, Stack. McCann, Stack. You know, the, the, Rebecca Soam is a phenomenal the, the player. Family. Is a phenomenal player. Uh, do you remember this? this guy, I think I've told the story on here before, but I want to see if you remember it. Because there was a night when Stack was doing a scene, and it was a three-person scene, and there were, two other, there were two other people in the scene, and I believe Stack was a gothic barber. Uh, and, and I remember... If you weren't in that, you might have been in that half, but I remember sitting because we were watching that half and the way the scene was going was the other two players would be like line, line, and then Stack would say something, laughter to applause. Yes. Right? Yes. And then it would keep going, line, line, Stack would say something, laughter to applause. And I remember at about four, those of us sitting in the audience started like, that's four, right? That's like mm -hmm. four in a row. Yeah. Like he speaks laughter to applause, and then it was five, and then it was six, and you know we can like, do this all it's like, night. Yeah. Edit the fucking scene. The guy's on fire, but it's like no, no, no. He's he's at six. Yeah. Uh, I remember at, at which point it was just like every time he, he did it again, the people sitting out were like standing up, like at seven. He's on no, fucking fire. Do you see, remember that scene? Well, I but. I remember the 499 other ones that played out just like it. Right. Because you, you're not as, you weren't as familiar with being on stage with Brian. And Brian is a guy I work with at Conan and who, who works at Colbert now. And, uh, and we're talking about a guy I've known now, you know, almost my entire life, really. And he'll, he, he has the ability to craft, you know, incredible sentences. I don't know what to call them. Right. It's something better than a sentence. It's a, it's a linguistic form that's more lucid than a sentence and, and, and contains more information. Right. It's something that only he can do. And uh, he does, he says these things and uh, typically they're verbal. <laughs> right. As he's the first to admit, he's not a very physical player, but they always manage to, um, they always did and still do manage to sort of uh, in, suddenly take the whole dynamic of the moment and sort of blow it up and very much broadcast it for all of its for all of its value and he sort of broadcasts the scene farther and it sort of it, it throws it out at a higher wavelength than it has been just because he's very good at this and he's just a naturally brilliant funny guy and after a while you get used to it so you're like hey just because he's got four standing o's in this scene <laughs> doesn't mean the scene's over yet that's just his normal thing right when the scene's over, we'll eventually edit it. But everything he says is going to get a huge laugh. So we're very used to letting that happen. It's, it's funny because I remember like one of the ways I got better as an improviser, I looked at everyone who did something better than me mm -hmm. and said, why would he say that? What went through his mind to get him to that place where he'd say that and try and train my mind to be able to do that? And with most players, I, I could figure out how they might arrive somewhere. And then I came to him and I'm just like, why the fuck would anyone say that? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I have no idea. How yeah, he yeah, got to that place. There's no point. It's <clears throat> alchemy and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, I, I remember similarly. I remember one of the things I remember about you as far as a line was there was some some scene going on and this was in a, a, a Blue Velveeta and they were talking about uh, it, was, it was something to do with someone's house uh, and you just started talking about well, it, it needs some fucking tuck pointing. I can tell you that. Uh, 
And it was basically, it, it was a father character yeah. who was bitching about the condition of the, of, of the front of the house. And it brought a level of, one, not only, it was, it was like, it was more real. It was also more mature, I think, as far as, like, at that point, we're all in our fucking 20s, right? I know. We don't have any idea what being a father right. is about. Uh, right. Or, you know, the, to worry about top pointing or shit like that. Right, right. But I'm just like, it was like, wow, that's, because... The, the audience, myself included, is like, yeah, that's something my father would fucking say. Yeah, it is. I think I, I think I remember him saying that about mm-hmm. our house and he doesn't work on the fucking tuck pointing and me being like, I don't want to do it. Um, but that was, I, I always think my perception of, of, of you is always like, this guy is just real and he's real in a way that somehow is more mature than his years. Uh, but he, he, you know, no matter what situation I ever saw you in, it was like, I believed who you were in that situation. That's a that's that's a very good thing to hear. Believe me, I, and I, I take it very much to heart. I, 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 I came through, and this is, I think, an important thing to point out. We're talking about this really interesting era, and there's all these fun people around, and there, there's a lot of talent in, in in this. There was a lot of talent in that group, but we benefited from a particularly fortuitous set of circumstances. We had a very tough teacher who insisted on credible acting moves and also the rules of improv at the same time. And Dell enforced this oftentimes very, you know, not acerbically, like cruelly, uh, you know. So he would enforce his tastes with with a, a very, you know, he could be harsh, but the... His, it was done. I don't know how to explain this. I mean, when we're talking about fathers and all, it it was extremely exacting, but it was done with such loving kindness that there was no mistaking his intentions. He wanted to elevate the work, and he knew that you could do it. And that I know you can do it. He never. He did not walk around saying that. But it was the subtext of every mean or you know hard ass note that he gave was you can do it. You're better than that. Come on, just think about it. Just you know what I'm talking about. You'll get it. And it wasn't, you'll get them next time. It was, there won't be a next time if you don't do it. It's like, get it now. Get it now. Yeah, was get it yesterday. The, it was actually the, the first note. First thing, I remember the first thing I ever did in front of Dell. Mm-hmm. I did a scene. It's funny the things you remember. First things like this. I, first thing I ever did, it's a father and son in the woods, right? And I'm going to teach my son how to build a campfire. Now, this is my first class with Dell. And I'm, I, I decide I'm going to play a big fucking Farley character, right? Now, I'm not Farley. Uh, but I'm just going, yeah, hey boy, let's get some wood. And I'm going to, and I'm playing this big character and I get about maybe 15 seconds into this scene. Stop. What the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, you know, big character. Teach my son how to build a fire. He's like, no one would act like that. It's like, just tell him how to build a fire. And so I redid the scene. I basically just sort of dryly said, well, here's how you build a fire, son. Uh, we're going to need some kindling and I basically got him to build a fire and he's like alright at least I believe that two more uh, <clears throat> and I was like Works. it was funny because it was brutal because it's my first scene in front yep. of Dell but at the same time it was like wow lesson learned be real how about the chance to redeem you know the performance too like oh, yeah, try yeah. it again but don't don't do what you fucking did just mm-hmm. do <laughs> some belief some I'll believe oh it's funny because I, 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 I didn't do the, the second time I didn't do it well, I just did it, I, I didn't do it ridiculously. Yeah, you just didn't do it horribly. Yeah, and he was like, all right. Yeah, that's, that's progress. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, but again, the lesson was, was there. It was like, don't, unless you have a really good reason to, you know, don't err on the side of buffoonery. Yeah. Right? It's like, play, play it real. Which again, I think you are such a consummately great player at. Well, uh, and I should kind of laser in on that very idea because that's where this kind of that's why I brought up Dell. So I got sort of tested out by him and by Sharna and Noah Gregoropoulos, you know, and they and they got good things out of me. And I tried to remember them, and I tried to, and I was doing the same thing you were emulating the people that whose styles and whose moves I envied, you know. So I'm doing that as best I can. I'm trying to emulate all that, and I'm sort of getting it right, and I'm hitting I'm hitting more than I'm missing. But what's starting to work more and more for me in terms of that being real and, you know, and like, well, I really buy what Dorf is doing. What's starting to work more and more for me is that the, is that the heart, sort of the harder I'm pretending, 
<laughs> this is going to sound so stupid because I didn't think of it yet. So it's going to sound very strange. But the harder I was pretending to be somebody else, like the shittier it felt. And then the, but then when I would just assume I was somebody else, just assume it and not doubt that at all or wonder what that person would say, just assume them. And then the easier it got. And then the weirdly enough, the more I started seeing coming back at me, like I would get input from other players on stage in real time in the scene. It was like, wait a minute, this, this is, this thing's really moving now. Like there, I'm getting something, I'm getting a lot more data back than I'm accustomed to getting, but I'm not working so hard at getting it. What's happening. And I, as I kind of figured that out going forward, it was like, Oh, I, cause I'm not, I'm relaxed and, you know, and I'm assuming things about myself that have nothing to do with me as a, uh, in my real life, but they're just, they're just feats of imagination said as if they were happened every day. And, uh, you know, like dad's talking about the tuck pointing on that house, even though that's not the topic of the scene, because that's what he adds. Cause that's what dad, that's what that guy would say. That's what they would say. Right. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a dad thing. I'm going to say it. So I do it, do that. And then not, not, not even realizing this is adding credibility to the proceedings. It's adding more credibility. Hey, we, we had so many scenes, your team, my team, all the teams, we, all the people we hung out with. We had so many scenes that had space aliens and pirates and talking animals and little kids. And we had all those same things got in our way. And the best, the best way, the, 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 the thing we had going in our favor was we had a teacher that wouldn't allow it or didn't favor it. So, you sort of got that hot stove, ow, ow, ow feeling, which helps. But then you also had the chance to really think about why those didn't appeal to him and, and why they might not appeal to an audience. And the more you thought about it, the more you didn't want to do those things. You didn't want to be a pirate or a talking dog because you're like, that isn't this. This isn't the chance to do that tonight. Right. Like This is a chance to be a thing I've never even heard of. Not something I kind of think might be funny. Like right. I'll be doing something tonight I never imagined right. I'll be doing. It's what what you're saying reminds me of the. And it's it sort of goes back to you know I'd watch you and wow that that guy's so real. How, how do I be more real? Part of my thinking was well he's just being him. He's just being him right now. That's his life experience, and he's just quoting his own life what he perceives his father would say or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started realizing, and over the years, what it's come to mean to me is an improviser's ability yeah, man. To, to, to recognize that they're enough. Yeah. Because uh, when you're on stage, it's like, what is your life experience? What occurs to you? And if you find that place where it's like, that's enough. Uh, it totally <laughs> is. I can't believe you made me cry. In my but it's lovely. <laughs> it's... it's I said, I love it. I'm thrilled. It's amazing. I, 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 I get emotional because I, because I've, I've said that same thing a bunch of times, but it's different saying it to you thinking back then. Yeah. Uh, so let's take some fucking questions. Uh, Can't top it. Any questions for Kevin out there? It could be about anything. Right there. So... Blue Velvet is this legendary crew. Um, you know, when you're in the process of it, do you, do you realize that you're a great team, or do you feel that after the fact, or is it you're just focusing on the work at that moment? It was it was more of an after thing because we had way we had ways. There was competitions at the time, and there were there were these little bake offs that we'd have, you know, every six months, and so there was ways to establish and uh, and, and sort of grade the work, right? And uh, we, we were just as um, upset and excited and as depressed and as nauseated by grading, you know, at that time that we'd be tomorrow if we all had to do it. It wouldn't, that will never change. Like whatever the grade system is, however the curve is structured, it doesn't matter if it's levels of classes, teams that get on the schedule certain times amount a month or any any other kind of grading system it's never going to be like now that's a great grading system no one's ever going to say it 
Because that's not how we feel. That isn't what, what you were just talking about a minute ago. It's that feeling of being enough is, is what we're trying to achieve. So the, the system that was telling us that we we're doing a good job didn't matter as much as the system of people coming to other improvisers coming to our shows and saying, that's great, you guys. I, I, I can't believe it. Um, and, and that system, that informal system, that peer-to-peer you know, recognition, that mattered so much more. And the funny thing is, is the more you get, you're, the more you are in communication with the people you do it with, even though you're not the ones that are doing it tonight together, but we do it in generally together, the more you're communicating with them, that's like, that's the good information that's built, that's get, telling you I'm in the right place. I belong here and we're doing good shows and I know we can do better ones too. The other grading stuff, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a schedule or whether it's followers on social media, that stuff will become less important. Um, and it's also the destructive part of grading will matter less and the, you know, the, the community part will matter more. Life involves grades. It just does. And, you know, and I fled, you know, an academic, you know, a very promising, by the way. <laughs> uh, I fled a disastrous attempt at higher education because I was like, it's just more grades, which I don't like anyway. And I, and very luckily, I, I encountered a group of people that cared, some, uh, one or two friends that I knew pretty darn well, and then a bunch of friends that I made that I still hang out with. And, and more importantly, a bunch of people who didn't look at their report cards and they just l- trusted each other for their input, you know, and their teachers too and stuff like that. But they went to the, like, they were plugged into their community, not their grades. And so like that helped me a lot. And I go, well, good, I, I'm, I'm kind of constructed that way. I think that'll work for me, but I'm leaving out one huge thing. And I just want to really point one out. We had a coach, we had McNapier as a coach and that was a smart move. He needed the money. He was, he was starting a theater that was just about this size. And he had to make money to keep his theater open. So he coached teams. And we were like, well, we got that. We've got enough money for a coach. We can do that. So we met Mick every week for, I don't know, two years maybe, a year and a half at least. And, you know, we're getting this great instruction for three hours at a stretch from a guy that now, like, is an author of improv books and, you know, has owned any number of places and, and, and done and, and influenced all these people. But we're getting that guy because he just, he needs the money to open, to keep his theater open. He's also almost our own age. Oh yeah. And it's by like the way, the six months of, age. six months of experience back then makes the difference. Between, oh yeah. Oh, they're way ahead of me. And, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and six months down the line, you know, like it's the, you felt the, the, the leaps and bounds were, were bigger. Again, there's a little bit more elbow room. So you could kind of, I don't want to say you could grow faster. You can just still grow as fast and achieve just as much these days as you could ever. But your sense of <clears throat> your sense of forward progress was a little easier to mark because there were so few landmarks. So when you passed one, you noticed it. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long answer. All right, and I know what me and Kevin pretty much stuck to, to improv tonight, and a lot of what might be called old school improv. But to me, it's just improv. Uh, any fan questions? I know Kevin's done a lot of shit outside of improv, uh, so I'll take one. Do you have a fan question? A fan question. You have fans out there. I know you do. Who's got a question? Right there, hey, man. Cocaine werewolf. Oh, from Conan. Where did it come from? You. Um, I'll tell you. A guy I did improv Olympic with, John Glazer. Uh, it was my office mate at Conan. And here, you know, here it is. It's probably about eight years after we met. And we're now, we both live in New York and we are at this job 55 hours a week in an office. And we're looking at each other night after night. It's 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, midnight. And we have not left yet because we don't have tomorrow's show figured out. And this is the, I swear to God, it will be a short answer. But we looked at each other and we could not get over this. We're like, when we met eight years ago, you were doing a show in a church basement. I was doing a show at Improv Olympic. We were doing, we were running all over town trying to do shows so that we could not work in a fucking office. <laughs> and now we work in a fucking office. And not just any office, an office that time forgot. We're here 
constantly. And the thing is, when you're there, the great thing about a show like Conan or any shows that um, that you might have worked on or aspire to go to is the one thing that they know. Well, the one thing that they really need from you is your time. They really need your time because it takes longer than you think to do it. A lot, a lot longer than you think to do it. And then two, they need options and they just need options. And Conan's a really smart writer and a really funny guy. And he knows that if he's given 300 options for that day's show, that he'll take the top 30 and be golden. And like, I think he does consistently good shows because he always needs, he always collects far more than he needs for the day. And then he tosses out when he needs to toss out and he keeps what he needs to need based on his taste. And generally speaking, he's good, good chooser. So why were we there till 1130 and 12 all the time? It was because they need more options. And when you get to that point and you're talking to your friend and it's 1130 and you wish you could go home uh, and you know, you're gonna be back there tomorrow at 10. You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know what this person wants anymore. I don't know what anyone wants anymore. Why are we here? I can't stand looking at you anymore. And you're my friend. I want to kill myself and you. <laughs> what about a werewolf with a cocaine habit? <laughs> <laughs> All right, pure desperation. <laughs> I love that. I think it's, that's a great place to end it. Uh, so let's take. Let's now. Me and Kevin will do a set. Do a scene. I have uh, <laughs> nothing but good news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just got a phone with Jerry and Monica. <laughs> and it looks like uh, the Wonder Twins here <laughs> have sold four parcels at 1.2 apiece. And our commission check is being messengered over. And you and I just made 400 grand. <laughs> 400 grand. All right, I'm not, is this real? It's <laughs> as real as it gets. I talked to Jerry and Monica and they said, great job. Uh, tell Tim when he comes in. And I said, I, I, I don't know where he is, but I'm sure he's on his way. Yeah, I was. And uh, <laughs> I just literally just hung up right when you like came in. So they're messaging, they're messaging over the check and we made it, like we did. We moved the shit and uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in a weird place right now. No oh, shit, no uh, oh, shit. I don't, this is real. We should uh, have some champagne. We don't have any champagne. No, fuck, no, we don't, uh, fuck. We don't even have any water. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing. I'm very, thank you. I'm very grateful. Hey, thank you. Oh, I'm. This, this wouldn't have awesome. happened. Yeah. This is fucking amazing. I mean, if they, if, if without your salesmanship, they would have never bought this shit. They would have never hey, bought these parcels. And you I came mean, up with these, these things. Man. Well, I did the numbers, but you made the sale. And uh, frankly, I'm, I am blown away. I mean, congratulations. I'm them. sorry. Can you tell me the number again? <laughs> two hundred grand for you. Two hundred grand for me. And we are, you are golden. My fucking 200 grand's already spent. <laughs> so I'm just, right now, I'm just, I'm just breathing easy now because I'm fucking finally out. Well, you're almost, you're, you're almost even. You know? I know, I'm almost, yeah. almost there, but you're fucking golden, baby. Timmy. Baby, Timmy, you did it. <laughs> you fucking did it. I'm killed. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask her. I'm gonna ask Mary. I'm gonna ask Mary tonight. Oh. I was waiting for. I was, I was waiting for a break. Uh, but now I got. I got enough for a down payment. I, you know, nothing big, it's not somewhere small. 
This is just the beginning for Timmy, man. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. If you were gonna make you're gonna make her happy, man. You're gonna be happy. Yeah. I'm gonna try. I'm you're gonna really be happy. That's a good move. You've thought about it, it's a good move. Oh, I, I, no, we've been we've been seeing each other for for a while. It's 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 kind of come up, but I you know I was it was always kind of like we don't have enough. She brought it. it well, we we both brought it. You both did. Okay, then yeah. you both did. Then it's good. Then you're both into it. What's this, what's what's going on? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a meeting at eleven. Uh, yeah, I suppose after that we can fuck off. Probably even leave for the day. Oh, what's going on with me? Yeah, what's going on with you? I mean, this, this was settled. I thought this was settled. Which, which this is this? Come on, man. I mean, I, 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 I said I was going to ask Mary. No, no, no. You guys are going to be happy. This is, no, I'm, I'm the happiest. I am the second happiest guy in the room. About that. All right. You're, you're good to go. And you, Mary, are going to be great. You guys are going to be okay. awesome. I'm very happy for you. It's a lot of money, all yeah. at once. Yeah. And the, what's the point of money? The point of money, right? I mean, come on, baby, right back to the old days. Well, what's the point of money? What's the first thing they told us? I'm not sure if I want to take my money advice from you. Well, <laughs> I'm just going back to the old things, right? The point of money is to make you happy. Make you happy. And you will be happy with that money and Mary. Yeah. Or Mary, I should say, Mary, and you will be happy with that. It's, it's, it's not, all right. The money is going to help me inherit, me and Mary become, me and Mary get married. All right. You don't understand these guys that I am up against. They're going to want this fucking money from me tonight. That's what's bothering me. See, here's the thing. How, the much, check comes, how, how much past 200 are you? I'm... Past it. <laughs> I'm fucking east of 200 by a while. Give me a number, man. Give me a number. Three? It's not three. It's more than two. Half of the fucking money I get tonight is on the big. I'm just paying the fucking interest. I'm telling you, you don't know these guys. They're animals. What gets, what gets they you out? They took me into the, my backyard out? and put me against a tree, Tim. Put me against a tree. They had a fucking arrow. Like a... Where did you even find a fucking arrow? They pulled my pants down and they fucking... They put the arrow next to my dick. And they said, you see this arrow? I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't fucking see. You mopped off like that? Well, I was a little fucked up at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave him some shit. I'm like, no, I don't, what arrow? And they're like, no, no, no. Why is that? I gotta say, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a weird sort of intimidation. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not what I'd imagine classic guys like that to do. Like, you well, that's what was weirding me out. I was like, why, where did you find an arrow? And, I was kind of passing in and out, and I was scared shitless, and they were like, this thing is going. So wait a minute. <laughs> hey, you pulled his pants down. And Thank you, you. One, where'd you get a fucking arrow? Why did you get a fucking arrow? This is the best part. <laughs> You know Boops, right? Yeah, I know Boops. Boops' fucking kid is a fucking Boy Scout. <laughs> so all of his Boy Scout shit's in the back of the car. All right? And we're like, oh, this fucking piece of meatball shit, right? We're looking back there and there's ping pong, paddle, and <laughs> shit. And we're like, who got a fucking nothing? No one's got a piece or nothing. And then Boops brings out a fucking arrow. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You go to do this, and no one's got a fucking piece? This is the best part. <laughs> we were coming from the track. So everything was over in the truck. And we're in Boops' car. And Boops is like, God damn it, we got we got the thing we got to take care of before we're yeah. going. Oh, my Lord, we don't have this and that. 
And then he pulls up this fucking arrow from the back seat. And we're like, oh, be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> scouting, you miss out a lot. <laughs> Leadership, teamwork, camaraderie. Who <laughs> was the camaraderie? Camaraderie. Camaraderie. It's a good oh, organization. Yeah. Fine, I wasn't the Boy Scouts, all right? That's why I probably I don't move up fast to here. You don't move up fast because you don't think, goddammit. You think a little, use your head every once in a while. Think about it, like, Boops, you know boops. I mean, come on, right? Yeah. I mean, give me a break, right? But he pulls out that fucking arrow. He gets out of the car like he's fucking Pocahontas or something, <laughs> right? He drags the guy out back, shows him up against you. I think I'm watching a fucking old Western movie with this guy. And he gets the thing up and he pulls his pants down. And the guy's giving me the mouth. He's giving Boop the mouth. He's got it running on the fucking mouth. Boop says, <laughs> I got this arrow right next to your little fucking dicky. Yeah, I know. I can fucking see that. Yeah, I like that. Do you like that? <gasps> no, I don't like it. <laughs> are you fucking mouth? Are you being mouthy with me? No, no, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not I'm, I just had a lot to drink tonight. I didn't expect any visitors. You get a little heavy down here. Uh, <laughs> Is turning you on? Is arrow fucking turning you on? Huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's a fucked up thing to say to me right now. No, I, I'm sorry, no, sir. Should, no, it shouldn't turn you on. I got a fucking deadly weapon down here by your fucking dicky. <laughs> okay, sir. All right. You better have the fucking big. Uh, All right? Yes, sir. You got two days. Two days, sir. <laughs> Guy turns over, yes sir, no sir, bop a boop. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Walk out of there. Wait a minute, why is the guy, the guy was, the guy was getting fucking turned on by having an arrow down by his dick? He should have been scared for his fucking life. How do you, how do you pop wood when you're scared for your fucking life? The guy was into the thing. <laughs> Probably thought he got excited because the arrow was going to go up his dick hole. <laughs> why would that excite someone? I wouldn't excite someone. That wouldn't excite me an arrow going up my dick hole. You know, if you'd ever been a scout, you'd know it. Ah, <laughs> <what's that? laughs> so what, 250? 250, yes. 250. That's total. It's 250 ice cold. And if it's going to be more if I don't pay it off. Right, what do, wait a minute, what do you mean, what does ice cold mean here? If I pay it off now. You pay it off now, ice or cold. So can I borrow 50 out of your half? Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> I haven't asked you yet. <laughs> Look, I need 50 out of your half, and I get back to you in, I don't know, fucking 20 days. That's what I got. That's what I think. I'll give you 50 out of my half, all right? So there. This is just one deal, all right? We're going to do more of these. You're a fucking genius. All right, I don't know why you got involved with these guys. It's just fucking... It's... <coughs> I wish I knew, man, but I... If you... There's a thing... There's, there's a moment every in every deal, you know? Whether, like, the deals we did, you know, or this other shit I did with these other guys... There's this moment when the thing's just the deal, the whole thing, whatever it is, whatever the fucking nut is, right? It's balanced on top of a razor, you know, like a pin, like an arrow point. And it's like a diamond sitting on top of a fucking arrow point. I don't know what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you how it's happening. You don't know which way that gem's gonna tip, but if it tips your way, it falls right in your lap. You gambled and lost. 
Yeah, it didn't fall my way. <laughs> you don't need a fancy fucking explanation to explain that you have a gambling problem. Don't gamble. All right, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the fifty. All right, and and it's gonna, it's gonna get you out. But then I want you out. Thank you, man. I really, I really mean it. Thank you. You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to gamble. We just got. We're going to check for four hundred thousand today. That's just check one. I promise you. You're making a mistake, Romero. What? <laughs> I, just feel like, I just feel like this is the right time to tell you. I mean, we're making a thing together. You're loaning me fifty fucking large. It's a big deal, you know. And I feel like a dick if I didn't say it. What's what is what is wrong with Mary? I, I fucking love Mary. I love Mary. Well, there's a lot of love. <laughs> are, you, are you saying because she's heavy? Because she's because she's heavy. Yeah. She's heavy, man. It's not good. She's what? She's heavy. She's a little heavy. Yeah. That's not. That doesn't. That doesn't. Matter. That's not who she is. Really? She's a beautiful person. She's the. She's the. The best know. fucking person I've ever met. Well, don't ask me. I mean, what do I know about that shit? I mean, I don't, I've never been successful with those. Ladies. I'm just a numbers guy. Fuck it. Just forget I brought it up. I just feel like she's... You, she's just a, a little heavy, you know? <laughs> she's, and, and the thing is, she's only a little bit heavy. But yeah, but they, she's they, like 15 pounds overweight, they, maybe. They, they get bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, man. <laughs> Why don't you relax and have another cough? The fuck is your problem? You sweat pouring out your hair over nothing. Look, that guy's gonna come through, right? Because if he doesn't come through. Gonna go stick an arrow up his penis? <laughs> that story's weird to me. <laughs> the arrow is not the point of the goddamn thing. It's a weird fucking thing. The thing is, the guy's gonna come across. If he doesn't come across, it's almost better. Because we're, we're out the dough. We'll make an example of that piece of shit. And everybody else fucking pays up. I want to join the Boy Scouts. <laughs> I'm sick of taking shit from all you guys for not having been a scout. <laughs> I mean, how long does it take to, to, to get through the Boy Scouts? Well, you gotta start as a cop scout. <laughs> Bobcat. <laughs> Wolf scout. <laughs> Boy scout. Eagle Scout. I mean, we're talking years, hey! I was just imagining it. I don't want to discourage you from scouting. It's a great experience. But it's going to look a little off. It's going to look off to the, to the outfit. If we're like that. Where's Bones? Oh, he's at a fucking weed blow meeting right now. <laughs> you gotta start somewhere. He's fucking typing bad. You gotta start, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. It's, it's better than a lifetime of taking fucking shit for not having been a scout. I'm never gonna move up in this organization because you're always gonna hold that over my head. All right. I can respect that. If it's about fucking moving ahead, I'm in support of it. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to join your organization. <laughs> I, be, I beg your pardon? <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to join your organization and I'd like to, you know, become a scout. Oh. I want to learn about, you know, how to life. Come in. Would you like some tea? Tea? No. Are you sure? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't want fucking tea. What? Would you like something called a drink? Yeah, yeah. How about a, uh, a beer? Beer would be good. A beer? Certainly. Certainly. Why don't you relax and make yourself at home? I'm the scoutmaster. master. <laughs> <laughs>
name is Eric. <laughs> so what got you interested in Skyrim? My name is Bones. Hello, Bones. Oh, it's not very often I get a chance to drink alcohol with my charges. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What do you mean your charges? The scouts. The scouts that come to my house for meetings. The Boy Scouts. Oh. All right. So is, is the Boy Scout meeting? It is now. <laughs> Come to work. So I, I, uh, how do I start? Oh, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. You're doing great. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, good. The scouting's not cheap. I got money. Well, that's good news, because that's what we use around here. <laughs> I like that. That's what we use around here. That's what we use one everywhere. Uh, that's good. They do. They do use it everywhere. That's we good. use it here in cash only. What do you need? 500 for the night. 500. One night of Boy Scouting. There you go. Maybe one, night, one night of Boy Scouting. One night of any Boy Scouting you want. Or for 200 an hour. It's up to you. It's your money. I'm just a scout. Well, that's good. One night. For 500 is better than 200 an hour. I'm not a fucking idiot. All right. Math. <laughs> so I'll take the whole night for I 500. I can give you a math badge. All right. 500, <laughs> 500 a night, huh? All right. What the fuck happened over there? <laughs> what happened? I got a fucking math badge. <laughs> That's what fucking happened. Day, day one. Day one, I got a fucking math badge. You goddamn walking around. With that fucking badge that you got from some fanoink in a kimono? <laughs> Boy Scout badge, you dumbass! What? He, he said he was a Boy Scout. He said it was a boy. I'm gonna have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> Look, this is. You were in a male whorehouse. <laughs> the outside said Scouts. Yeah, I. <laughs> Collections from that dump. I know what I'm talking about. Look, I spent all night. I spent all night with that guy. <laughs> all right. Dad, you learn anything good? <laughs> I, learned, I, I don't give a fuck what you do for fun. <laughs> I learned how to undress and dress properly. In a fucking uniform and the works. Yeah, the kimono scout uniform. <laughs> Oh, 
always wanted to join the Boy Scouts of America. That's a great organization. That's what I... great organization. Duke, shut up. That's what I told him, mate. He ended up down at Scouts. Come cut off my grapes. <laughs> so Bones goes down to Scouts. He thinks it's a Boy Scout joint. You know Scouts on 14. Yeah, to the, the gay bar. That's right. And he ends up upstairs where they keep the, you know, the special customer service action. How you know so much about this gay bar? <laughs> <laughs> I used to fucking walk the bag over from Scouts back in the day. Ah, right, yeah, you used to walk the bag. Don't you forget, you used to walk the fucking bag. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot nothing. It was a good, it was a good racket back then. Back then the fags paid up, because if they didn't, we'd send the cops over and they'll bust heads at night, and everything worked out. Everyone paid up, because we didn't have no trouble. Now, I got a fucking parade down the middle of town twice a year. Where's our parade? It's great. We can't have Columbus Day. It's great. But they got two fag days every one. year. What's that, Tom? It's great. It's a thick one. <laughs> <laughs> you got cut again. <laughs> so we, got a we got a reputation to maintain on the street. Well, let me tell you, that's what I told Bones, right? God, this is a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I told Bones. But the, the <laughs> yeah, listen, you know. <laughs> Fork or anything for that. You don't need great for a fork. You fucking idiot. No, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, you know, no you, disrespect. You great, you know, the fork just slides right off. <laughs> no disrespect intended. No disrespect intended. But, uh, I don't have 50 anymore. So I need a little more time. You see these grapes? See these grapes right here? Yes, sir. You see how they're all cut up? Yes, yes, sir. I do. You want to be a grape? <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a grape on my plate all cut up? No, sir. No, sir. I suggest you don't come in here so I don't have fish. Yes, I'm alone right now, so there's not a lot I can do. <laughs> you came at a good time. I, normally I have someone kill you right now. Well, I, I'll get it. I'll, I'll, I'll get the 50, sir. I just need a little more time. The 50's just a vape. Right, right. I get it. You, you, you owe 250 to come out clean. Right. The big and the nut. Right. Yeah, the big and the nut. You need a. Can with that, sir? No. Good. Right. They're all cut up already. <laughs> what are you gonna give me a fork? You no, no one crazy people? No one needs scrapes for the fork. That's right. That's what I always say. I just So uh, I wanted to bring you out tonight, a uh, very special occasion today. We had a uh, we had a sale go through. Oh, and the, this the sounds check, like good news. The check <laughs> came. The check came through, and it was for four hundred thousand dollars. No way. Yes. You did not make four hundred thousand dollars today. Four hundred thousand dollars. Out of here. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, my half was two hundred. Of course, well, I didn't make four hundred thousand dollars. Oh, we well, made that's split. still that's two hundred thousand dollars. Two hundred thousand dollars. Well, well. Uh, <laughs> I had to give my partner uh, fifty thousand of mine because he was in kind of a he was in a kind of a rough spot with uh, some unsavory elements. Uh, so that's oh no! So he owed someone fifty thousand dollars. Well, he owed someone two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So I just gave him the last fifty so he could get out clean. But he's going to be out clean now. Uh, so he and I can, can continue working. Oh, so together. there was four hundred. Just just. My, 
make sure I got the math right. So it's four hundred thousand dollars, and you're entitled to half of it, but you only got one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's wonderful, but it's it's a lot less than half, isn't it? Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's less than half by fifty thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, well, it's by twenty-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a marginal decrease of twenty-five percent. Okay. <laughs> to to a guy that was paying off, I assume, gambling debt. So you're probably not going to see it. Well, you know, we're still, we're still working together. We, 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 we made this you, deal, we'll make other deals. You no, know, this is just, I, I do numbers, I'm a back-of-the-envelope gal, I always have to... You gave away 25% of a cash asset for zero return. Bad money manager. I mean, 